Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Talk Recorded live. Good evening, everybody, or whatever time of day you're listening to the podcast. Uh, welcome to the Genesis Science Fiction Radio Show, a service of the Black Science Fiction Society dot com website. This is the 420, excuse me, uh, April 20th edition. 420 is something completely different for those of you in the know. Uh, edition of the show. Um, tonight's special guest is Edward Threat, and uh, he's actually, I think I interviewed your brother, didn't I? Yes, you did. Yeah, so he's uh, he's a, uh, uh, he's what we call in the business a legacy. You know, he got in because of his brother. But uh, we're gonna we're gonna have a great uh, evening with him anyway. So I want to welcome you, Edward. Do you prefer Edward or Ed or what? what it's up to you. Uh, it doesn't matter. It's still me. Okay. Uh, All right. Well, I'll figure it out. And and where are you coming to us from? Where Where do you live? I am in Amherst, New York, which is a suburb of the great city of Buffalo. Okay. The- so you're off kind of to the west side, right? Of New York State? Yeah. I, where they I get am the worst Niagara weather? Falls. Oh, okay. I've been in Niagara Falls a few times. Um, none of them for the purpose of matrimony. Uh, always for the purpose <laughs> of um, uh, of just touristy stuff. And what, what really sucked back when I went there was at that time there was nothing on the American side. All the cool stuff was on the Canadian side. And fortunately back then, it was a whole different era where, you know, I didn't have to have, I, all I had was a driver's license, and not, that's all it took to get into Canada, come back to the U.S. and stuff like that. Yes. I would imagine it's a little different now, isn't it? Yes, it is. Uh, either enhanced driver's license or a passport. If you, if you try, I tried with a... Yeah with a, uh, just a regular driver's license and birth certificate, and they said, sorry, uh, maybe next time, and they pointed me on my way home. Man, seriously? Yes, and they were, but the awesome thing is they were very polite about it. Well, yeah, they're polite, but, I mean, you know, people are always polite when they tell you something you don't want to hear. Oh, because yes. they figure if they're polite, they don't get that ass whipping, you know, hopefully. But, oh. yeah, I. but you know what? I have to admit, though, kind of your experience matched mine. I flew to um, Las Vegas to officiate a wedding. You know, some friends of uh-huh. mine from Vancouver were getting married. And okay. <clears throat> everybody came kind of came down to Las Vegas, and we were hanging out there. When I left Chicago, I got on the plane, and I realized I had dropped my driver's license. Wow. So when I got to Las Vegas, I didn't think about it because I wasn't driving anywhere or anything like that. I had credit cards, no problem, no problem, no problem. 
Then when yeah. I'm leaving Las Vegas and I get into the airport, I realize I am screwed. I mean, I didn't even have, you know, a gun owner's card or anything that's considered like a, an official ID. So I walked up to these two TSA guys, you know, uniform with the gun guys, and I said, dude, I got a problem. And they, you know, a, the first thing they do is they get like kind of prickly because they don't know what kind of problem it is. And I yeah. said, and, and I said, no, 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 it's nothing like that. I said, I was here to officiate a wedding. When I left Chicago, I knew I dropped my driver's license. And now that I got to go back home, I got nothing to show them when I get up in line up there. And the guy, the guy kind of laughed because I think they were waiting for a more serious problem. And he said, well, uh-huh. what ID do you have? And so I showed him a Wisconsin driver's license from about 15 years ago when I weighed about 100 pounds heavier. And he said, why do you carry this? I said, are you kidding? If you lost that much weight, wouldn't you want to be proud of it? And he laughed, and he says, uh, in this picture, you look Mexican. I said, well, that's another reason why I lost the weight, too. So I, yeah. I figured I'd just keep them laughing. And then what? you know what they did? They, they, they didn't even go through the line or anything. They went around through these doors that you're not supposed to go through, walked me past all these people, getting their stuff checked. They didn't even check my baggage, nothing. They just walked no. me to the gate. Superstar so, treatment. Well, I mean, oh, yeah, yeah. I had to show them. I showed them the uh, the wedding invitation and everything. It didn't have my name on it or anything. But, I mean, if, if I guess if a terrorist is going to lie about officiating at a wedding, that's pretty clever, you know? Yeah. And I think that's what they thought. But they were they, they were actually very polite. You know, you expect them to be a little more medieval about, you know, letting people in through the airport. But, mm-hmm. you know, maybe if they'd have seen the ankle bracelet, it might have been another story, but, you know, they weren't checking my so pant leg. <laughs> so anyway. Yeah, that would have right, so, alerted the metal detector. Yeah, well, and I was, and I, I'm, I'm kidding about it, but I was just, I was really surprised. And I, I said that to him. I said, guys, what's, I said, thank you. I said, you know, you guys, it's so unexpected. He said, you know, if you can make up a story that good, you you deserve to get on the plane. Now, don't cause okay. any trouble because don't make us ruin, don't ruin our day. I think that's what he said. Don't don't ruin our day. Yeah. So that was pretty cool. And that, uh, but um, as for you up by Buffalo, now what kind of weather are you getting? We just got fifty degrees today here in Chicago. This has been like uh, the longest winter in a long time. Yes, it has. It's just been lingering. And uh, today, we actually got like 45 and sunny. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So by Monday... Are you climbing out? Yeah. By Monday, we should hit 60. Okay. And and that's that's how Buffalo is, you know. We'll be. It'll be snowing in the morning, and right. seventy degrees by late afternoon. Oh, so you're kind of like us now. We get a good. We get a solid forty-five minutes of spring. I mean, we really do. Uh-huh. We really. Yeah. You know, <laughs> that's about it. Um, oh, the and, the uh, on-running joke about Buffalo is that it goes from uh, spring to fall. They just skip. They just skip right over summer for us. Oh well, that sucks. <laughs> I do like summer. Man. I mean, it makes everything else uh, everything else worthwhile. Um, okay, so 
you know, the things that are obviously on your, your promo post, your cosplayer, multimedia artist, videographer, and things like that, I will say this. I have done multimedia myself when it was early, very, very early, mm-hmm. when computers really couldn't sustain much in terms of video. I helped somebody. Um, I was hired. Actually, I was a consultant to do a Stop Smoking CD, and it was sponsored by uh, the people the Nicorette gum people, I forget which drug company it was way back when. So that was my only exposure really to multimedia. Um, videographer, that's a little closer to home. You know, I write and I produce movies. Um, but but the thing that I, I'm not like, I don't do anything with this cosplay. And it looks like a lot of fun, but then... You know, it's it's something that's kind of out of my bailiwick. So I kind of want to ask you, as somebody who's obviously into it, what's the like? What's the cool factor for you? Not for other people looking at you, but I mean, what is it that trips your trigger? You know what I'm saying? Uh, not quite. Well, I mean, you you uh, cosplay what is gets basically me fired up for cosplay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um. Honestly, I had never had any attention on cosplay. I okay. just wanted to go take pictures and video. Oh, all right. Um, I will say that uh, uh, about four years ago, um, my first marriage was ending. Uh huh. My uh, mother had passed. Yeah. And and the house I was trying to buy got broken into. So I had to move. Right. Yeah, yeah, one right after the other. And uh, I was getting very depressed. I don't mean to offend anyone who's listening, but I am a born-again Christian. Uh So I was standing on the top porch of the house, the apartment, the two-floor apartment house that I was living in, and I... Looked up and said to God, I'm like, dude, it's getting kind of rough. You've got to give me something to keep going. Uh-huh. And I saw a couple of days later, I was on the computer, and I saw what's called a cosplay showcase video. And all the guy did, he went to a, a anime con or comic con convention. Okay. Videotapes some different people and put it together and put music together. And it kind of played out as a story. And I was just blown away. And I said, that's what I'm going to do. I have to do that. You know, and I invested in the equipment, the computer cameras and all that. Well, here at Buffalo, as a matter of fact, which is going on this weekend, is Ubicon. Okay. It's held that it's a comic book convention or Comic-Con held at the University of Buffalo. Okay. And I I have forgotten that it had been here for so long, you know. Um, and I went, and I was, like, blown away. I was I was just, like, running around with my camera and video camera, Taking video like a kid in a like a kid with the unlimited store card in Toys R Us. <laughs> it was well, it was just. Yeah, I, mean, I was just 
and I was like taking video and pictures of one person, and and I'm like stopping another person, you know, and uh, and it was just it was just amazing. It was just truly amazing. Uh huh. And, and and I guess I started to feel the desire to not not so much as fit in as a. Uh, I started cosplaying. I figure if I'm cosplaying as well, um, the cosplayers, cosplayers is actually two words put into one, which is costume player. So, right. And they put it together into cosplayers for anyone who didn't know. Um, so I figure if, I, if I'm dressing up as well, it would feel more comfortable because mm-hmm. they do get they the comic cons can draw some strange people. Get out. Yes they do. <laughs> yes they do. I mean, not like the normal Comic Con strange, but the okay. unwanted strange. Yeah. You know. And, and because a lot of the uh young ladies dress very can dress kind of provocative and skimpy and just because they're dressed that way does not give anyone uh it's not consent. You know? It's oh, look with your eyes, not with your hands. And yeah. and that's become a big thing in the cosplay community to stress that. You know Well um, it's about time too. Um Here's one of the things that I've always said, and I, you know, I'm sorry to kind of jump back into American culture as opposed to cosplay, but uh-huh. we, you know, we have we have a pretty sick society. I mean, we we really do, and to pretend otherwise yeah. is foolish because you know, if you're going to raise kids, you better be aware, you know, mm-hmm. or or let's see, what's the saying now? You've got to be woke. Anyway, the problem is is that still today, you can walk into any courtroom in America any courtroom in America and hear some white lawyer say, but your honor, she was asking for it. Look how she was dressed. Yeah. Okay. And that's, and, and, and that's sad. That is not only yes, it sad, is. it's sick. It is. So yeah, I, I get the cosplay thing. Yeah. Yeah. Because, and, and I have two daughters from my first marriage, uh-huh. two stepdaughters from my first marriage. I dare someone to say, well, look what, look at the way she was dressed. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, <laughs> that, that will be the, be the beginning of the worst day for the rest of her life. <laughs> because, well, you I know, mean, go ahead. Uh, and, and, and it's just, I think we should just look at it as, you know, okay, yes, yeah, she's dressed that way, but show her the same respect. Because she's a woman, yeah, you know, and, but, and yes, American society has objectified women a great deal of time, but you know, let's well, we're, we're professionals it. at it. Yeah, no, you're, yeah. you're right. We're professionals <laughs> at it. But you know what? Um, actually, that kind of that kind of behavior is an outgrowth of white entitlement. I am not going to talk about the whole history, but believe me, I've done I've done the research, but. Okay, so it's kind of cool because there, there's fun in dressing up. I mean, I know that. And yes, also, 
And and when people can get a costume and makeup and hair and what have you and look like something that you've seen, like in, in, in a movie or a comic or, you know, what whatever, that's kind of cool. I can see the fun of that. Yeah. I mean, you... Like, you know, you talk about Trekkies, people who put on the costumes and, you know, put the ears on to look like a Vulcan and things like that, or the forehead mm-hmm. to look like a Klingon. I do get that. I just, I don't know if, I don't know if I'm too shy or if I, or it seems like too much trouble or whatever, but I do appreciate it. Um, I was at, where was I? I was at Worldcon in Kansas okay. City uh, a couple years ago, and there was a guy there who was full had full on the entire regalia that Obi Wan Kenobi had on when Luke discovered you know went and found him in the desert. The yeah. costume was perfect, you know. Yeah. And there was and there was a guy who was dressed up looked exactly like George R R Martin. I went up. I said, "That is the best, you know, costume of George R R Martin I've seen." at any show, and he said, no, no, I am George. I said, oh, so sorry. So anyway, <laughs> um, it's, yes, it, it is something like, that looks fun. Yes, it is. It is tremendous amount of fun. You know, um, not just the uh, the actual wearing of the cosplay outfit. Right. Yeah. But the work that goes into it, you know, the prepping, actually the choosing of the character, uh-huh. the, the putting the outfit together, be it purchase uh, or handmade, and, and then the just the showing it and seeing other people's uh, <laughs> other other people's you know cosplay. It's all it's an artistry to it, and, yeah. and a lot of people. Hey. Oh, they ahead. take pride, and it's and, and and it's just so awesome because yeah, everybody's very supportive because there's mm-hmm. different levels, different sure. levels of creativity. Some is affected. Some people have different budget levels. Um, it's just a lot that goes into it, you know. Who and and who have you dressed up as? I have done. Uh, Key Dog from The Walking Dead. Okay. Which was my very first. I've done Mortal Kombat Scorpion for Mortal Kombat 10. Uh-huh. Uh, I've also done the villain from the first Deadpool movie, Ajax. Uh, because a buddy oh, yeah, of mine, yeah. Who, yeah, a buddy of mine who I go every year to visit in Philadelphia, and we attend the Wizard World Comic Con. He's mm-hmm. a big Dead Deadpool fan, so we kind of played off each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, am I? But right now, my favorite is Deadshot, as portrayed by Will Smith. In the Suicide Squad movie. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, that's that's my favorite right now. You know, that's another thing at World Time. When I was there, there were a lot of people who depicted warriors and stuff like that, and, and some of them had firearms and weapons, and, and they actually had 
like weapons inspection on the way yes, in there to do. check your sword, to check your your you know your your battle axe and you know what have you. So mm-hmm. I guess yes. I Pistol, guess that's something you got to kind of watch out for too. Yeah. Oh yes. yeah. Yes. Uh, and it's because we're all there to have fun. Right. We're all there to have fun, admire other people's work. In, in their cosplay and admire our as well as having our own admired. Um, so so the security is just providing for everyone's safety. Mhm, mhm. That's pretty yeah. cool. And then you you also being a videographer, you, you it sounds like you also uh, record you know the things that you see at at these uh, these events. Yes, I've done. Um, a few uh, cosplay showcase videos myself, which can be seen on E3 Creations' YouTube channel, which is E, the number three, key, Creations. One word. Yes, and and that's something I look forward to every year. Uh Uh-huh. Excellent. Um, And how did you get into being a videographer? Is this something you've been... You know, you've been into it for a while, and the reason why I ask that is because it's not um, – there's a certain amount of cost that goes into it to have the equipment to be, you know, to do a good job and things like that. So I'm wondering, you know, is this something that you uh, you glommed onto early on, or was it a later-in-life kind of thing? A later-in-life thing that I kind of I kind of stumbled into. And the reason why I say that is because when um uh after I uh, attended my first uh uh Comic Con at Ubicon, I decided mm-hmm. to start a, a YouTube channel. And, and and being the geeky nerd that I am, I planned on just putting straight science fiction or E V you know, because I was always good at, you know, creating stories, you know, right. little short stories. I figure I'll get people together and we'll just play it out and I'll film it, put it together and then put it up there uh, on YouTube and, you know, just just out of joy, you know. Uh, it took, it was taking a great deal of time to put all that together. And my stepson, Denard, who I am so very proud of, he, uh, at our church, they do what's called praise dancing, which is an interpretive dance of certain gospel songs. Okay. And, And me being a proud father, knowing that there was so many things he could have went into drugs, gangs, crime, but he chose that. Mm-hmm. And I videotaped them, one of their performances, and I wanted to put it up on Facebook, but Facebook wouldn't allow because of the the uh, copyrighted song that they were performing to. So I, oh, I put it yeah, up on my right. YouTube. I put it up on my YouTube channel, and they're a bit more lax, 
Yes, there are certain uh, copyright infringements. If you do that, they will let you know, and they will mute it and give you – and now they even offer a similar similar music that you can okay. replace it with, which is, sure. which is a really nice thing. And one Sunday after they after my son and some of the other youth in the church performed, the pastor he was his sermon was on fire, and, and I taped it. I let him know after, and I was like, because I felt like there's some people who need to see this. And right. He was like, sure, go right ahead. So I uh, put it up on YouTube. His, uh, a member of the church had saw it. And, well, actually, his ex-wife had saw it. They were married at the time. She saw it. She was like, wow, that's really good. You know, I put a little opening on it, put the closing credits, you know, and so forth. And she said, you should come down to the Apollo. Here we have uh, the Apollo Theater. It was it was an old movie theater that they uh, rebuilt into. Yes, they renovated into what's now known as the public access uh, station for the inner city. Okay. And I and I said to her, I would like to, but I probably couldn't afford the course. You know, and she said, no, it's free. I was like, free? Oh, my favorite word. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, went, I always carry I went, free in my pocket. Yes. I went, took the course, fell in love, because I had always been one of those people who enjoyed the makings of or the behind the scenes of whatever movie, television show, almost as much as the movie itself. Okay. And th- from there, I just started. Um, before, well, I must say, before uh, the Apollo upgraded its, its equipment to all digital, I learned. I did my training on the analog system, mm-hmm. which which was cool because it gave me a respect for the craft as well as an appreciation for all the digital stuff that's so simple that we have available nowadays. Yeah, that, anyone. Yeah, I've run into that same thing. Um, I was a disc jockey and I did radio. I did club and radio work back in the 70s, mid-70s, right when CDs first came out. And I was okay. walking through I was walking through Montgomery Ward. Um I don't know why I was there. Uh oh I was I was with uh, my girlfriend at the time. And they had this Motorola No, Magnavox. Magnavox CD player. And it was, you know, they had some classical CD, maybe had 1812 Overture. And so I waited in line because I wanted to hear the sonic quality because, you know, I was I was an audiophile. I had an enormous amount of money invested in, you know, uh, high-fidelity equipment and things like that. Plus, I, you know, I was designing and building discos and studios and stuff like that. So I finally, it, it was my turn to put the headphones on, and I put the headphones on, 
and I I was I was immediately depressed. I was sure. so depressed because and why I, I had because I had thousands of albums. Thousands. Uh, I I had I had techniques turntables with very expensive cartridges and then some cheap yeah. cartridges, et cetera, et cetera. And and the sonic quality of that C D was so perfect. The silent areas were silent. You know, the, the yeah. music was very strong. There was no crackle, hiss, pop, tick, any of that. And I was like, man, all my all my things are now obsolete. You uh, know? I truly understand because some a couple of the guys I grew up with, my buddies, long-life buddies, they were uh-huh. into uh, DJing at parties. So I know about okay, the yeah. two turntables and the microphone. <laughs> so, you know, that that sort of thing was definitely a blow to me, you know. Okay. And and, and now, you know, here we are, everything, I, you know, if I were to do the same thing, like I'm, I'm going to produce uh, some music for a friend, and, you know, I'll produce it. It's going to probably ultimately end up on a CD. So again, the music will be perfect. There'll be no hisses. There'll be no artifact. Nothing, you know, like the good old days. And I'm I'm turning here and I'm looking on the wall in my study, and I've got mm-hmm. four bookcases, five bins high each, uh, a foot and a half wide, and those are all albums. I still have all my albums. Wow. And every now and then I'll play some because there are some albums I have that they did not convert to CD because they're either older or obscure or import. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, there's a little bittersweet, uh, you know, kind of nostalgia when I hear it because when you drop the, the needle, you got a little bit of hum, you got a little bit of, you know, click, you know. But it's, you know, I understand exactly how it must have been going from analog to digital. But I think to what you were saying before, the fact that you had learned analog probably made you still better and and more skilled at handling the conversion because you knew how to do it the long way, the hard way, the early way. You know what I'm saying? Yes, but I must say I started on digital. I started on computers with a digital camera. And when I right. walked into the the studio and saw the analog equipment, it was like a, looking at a giant. And I'm mm-hmm, mm-hmm. five. And I'm like, and... and, and Instead of being, uh-oh, you know, I'm like, no, I'm going to master you, you know, and just went from there. Yeah, yeah. So um, other than filming at the church, uh, do you are, are you uh, commercially employed at, um, at doing video, um, doing video production? As of, as of right now, no. Because uh, I consider myself a, 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 a student at the University of YouTube because okay. I've had no, other than the producer's training course at the Public Access Studio, I've had no formal training. Sure. Uh, everything, everything I've learned right now, up to now, is from tutorials on YouTube and... and Watching other people, yeah. Watching behind the scenes, 
on how they do stuff, and I would just try it. You know, uh, mm-hmm, I'm mm-hmm. grateful to have uh, the Adobe Creative Cloud software, which right. includes Premiere Pro for editing, After Effects for special effects, audition, and the list goes on. Sure. And I would I would sit and, and see in my my passion passion and excitement. I would try to watch a tutorial, and I'm like, okay, wait a minute, I can do that. And then I'd put the camera on the tripod real quick, tape some footage to work with, and I'm jumping in. And I would tell myself, okay, I'm going to watch the tutorial all the way through, mm-hmm. then try it. But I I get halfway, I get like halfway through it, or even less, and I'm like already trying it, you know, and putting stuff together. Uh, we, I was working on a show called Queen City Geek TV, which was a local talk show for comic books and, and the whole comic book genre put on by uh, the Queen City Bookstore, which is a comic book store here. Mm -hmm. Uh, It wasn't marketed as well as it could have been. So the creator and executive producer and co-producer and co-editor, he decided to pull it. It was running on a local station. Okay. uh, But because of the cost and not having a marketing team in place, he decided to pull it, and now everybody's asking, you know, it's like, when's the next episode? You know, so <laughs> so we're, we're, we've been talking back and forth about, you know, uh, the future of it. As sure. of right now, it's, a, it's on hiatus. Uh, and so I've taken the time to brush up on some more skills. I will be going back to ECC Community College to start formal training. And I've also been putting time in uh, local film projects that are often entered in the local film festivals, like the Buffalo Dreams, uh, and and I forgot the name of the other one. Because there's, there's well, okay. quite a few. Yeah. yeah. It, it sounds and very much like you're learning your craft. Yes. On the fly. On the fly. Hey, a lot of people do that. You know, I didn't know a damn yeah. thing about doing movies until until they forced me to. You know, um, I don't know if you know about this, this contest. It's called the 48-Hour Film Project, and it's an international contest that goes from city to city to city. And yeah. when it comes to a city, you know, you have uh, – it, it always happens on a weekend, and starting at 7 p.m. on Friday, you have exactly 48 hours in order to write, film, and post-produce a four- to seven-minute movie. Yeah, And yeah. And my because baptism less. by fire – yeah, my baptism by fire was um, – I, I was asked to help a team write their script you know, to help do dialogue and things like that because, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a, a pretty decent writer. But then okay. after we pulled our genre and went back to the headquarters, we found out that the guy who was supposed to be a writer was really an actor acting like a writer. 
And so I freaked out. I, I mean, I completely freaked out. I lost my, sh- I, I, you know, I had like a nervous breakdown for about 45 minutes because here's 50 people sitting there looking at me going, well, well, we don't have a script. We don't, we don't have anything. And yeah. I had never written a script before in my life. But that, I mean, you know, that I had to learn on the fly. A lot of people have to learn on the fly. So, yes, I mean, it's kind of cool because, you. I'm sorry? I commend you for that. Because when the 48-hour <laughs> film festival hit hit our my area, right? Uh, some some people involved in it were referred to me. This is a friend of mine sent them and said, "Hey, hey it's a good uh, camera person as well as editor." And right. I like, jumped in, and, and and I was only part of the crew. And so sure. these guys, watching them do what they do under that type of time restraint, I was like, yeah. Wow. yeah, it, so, that, yeah. I think that's the ultimate learning experience because... Yes, it is. <laughs> you know, even, you know, people go, oh, a three-minute commercial or a three-minute movie or a seven-minute movie, that's still a whole movie, you know, and, and yeah. you still have to employ all the skills necessary to get it done. Now, okay. as, as far as as you, you know, I would guess that this kind of falls into like being the multimedia artist where you're you're combining multiple media elements for presentations or projects or what have you. Um can you tell us a little bit about that part of of what you do in terms of multimedia? What what media do you work in, and and what are you, what are the you know what's your resulting end product? Um. Okay, let me say this first because I haven't had any professional training, so I don't wonder. I hope I don't give the wrong information. Uh-huh. But I have done some. Special effects, I've taken, like, uh, special effects and applied it to uh, interviews. I've worked with uh, the chroma key, which is also more commonly known as green screen, having people walk through walls. Uh, A test video that I did was, uh, it was for... uh, it was a t- tutorial put on by Video Copilot, which makes what's called plugins, which is like lightning bolts, uh, shockwave explos- explosions, a mm-hmm. lot of special mm-hmm. effects that's pre-made that we can manipulate and, and use in, in different ways. Uh, the one I did, which is on my YouTube channel, it was a... Uh, a shockwave cannon, and and being part of cosplay, I don't carry real weapons or the closest to a real weapon, like an assault rifle or pistols, are Nerf guns. Sure, of course. I've, yeah, I've I've seen many Nerf guns modified. You know. Uh, to look like science fiction weapons. Actually, a basic black spray paint. Mm-hmm. Uh, they'll 
what make them look awesome. So, and that's also part of prop making. Right. Uh, so, so I took like a Nerf shotgun I had and I filmed myself just firing it. Jumped on the computer uh, using the plugins from Video Copilot, created a shockwave ripple in the mm-hmm. air around it while, uh, is it green? A green electric blast fired from the sh- from the uh from the shotgun. That was pretty I was pretty happy with it. It was something simple, you know, to do. Right. Uh, so, and then, so it sounds to me it sounds to me like you're you're really working toward being a post production specialist for video. Would that be fair to say? Uh somewhat. Actually, actually I would that's that's in the ballpark. I would just like to broaden it to say like I I want to learn it all. Okay. You know, from a, and this summer, uh, I'm going to try my hand at directing. I wrote a short film of my own, mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and so so I took a stab at writing. I'm grateful to my uh, partner and fiance. Yeah. She, she's she's my best critic. She won't because because of our relationship. She won't say, "Oh, that's just wonderful." She, hey, no, yeah. she'll be like, she'll look at it and she's like, "Really? You just let me spend twenty minutes of my time reading this that I'll never get back." <laughs> Ouch! But you know what? Yeah. That, that's there's value in that. Yeah, you know, I'd and, rather and, her and, tell me that than to say, "Yeah, oh, it's nice." And it not be. Yeah. The so, first yeah, book so, I wrote, I had that same problem. Because when your friends, you know, read something that you've written, if they if they do care about you, they, they have an emotional buy-in, and nobody wants to hurt a friend. So from my perspective, you know, they said, oh, this is, this is good. I like the story. I like this. I like that. And I had to take that with a grain of salt because they were my friends. And it wasn't until strangers started putting up reviews that I could safely believe that maybe I'd done a creditable job. So mm-hmm. I, I do understand having that level of critique and, and critique without heat. You know, not somebody who wants to bring you down or tear you down, yeah. but yeah. keep you from, from, you know, believing your own hype. Or as my yeah. grandmother used to say, excuse me for saying it this way, but this is, I got this from my grandmother. She always goes, Go oh, yeah. You don't want to listen to him. He's just smelling his own piss. So, you know. <laughs> Sounds like a grandmother. Yeah, exactly. So that's kind of, that's good that you have that sort of in-house confidant. Yeah. Now, the, the script that you wrote, is this a sci-fi-based script? Uh, actually, it's, I guess it would be considered horror because it's about okay. vampires. All right. And... As a writer, you know, do you, do you see yourself as a as a good writer or a you know a talented writer, um, or or are you writing mostly to build your other skills around? Um, yes, to all. Really? <laughs> yes, because uh, I um, 
And I'm not bragging on myself, but on, on God's gift of creativity, he has blessed my right. family with. Because right. I have six brothers. All of us started off as visual artists. Okay. And we branched off into different directions. Alonzo, as you know, has uh, branched off into computer generated. Right. Uh, and all the he's things doing, that go along with it. Yeah, he's been doing a lot of work on the Earth Squadron movie. Yes, and I've got a little surprise coming for the Earth Squadron movie. Uh, Ooh, I'm, good to, I'm glad well, to hear about I that. Don't, I don't know if it's going to make it into the movie, but it's a little surprise for those guys because okay. I'm learning something new, uh, and, and I'm having a whole bunch of fun at it. Uh, I have brothers who, who branched off into music, musicians, uh, and, and and we just go in all different directions. Writing, uh, my sister is a PhD in, she has a PhD in literature. Mm-hmm. So, so I do Quite enjoy writing. Quite a talented family. Yes. And, and like I said, all of us, including myself, started at a very young age drawing, painting, sculpting. So, so, and not just for ourselves, but as well as we've been in art shows, local galleries, uh, the public has seen our work. So we We've learned how to take criticism at a very early age. That, you know, we, we know how when people. That is. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Go ahead. Because we yeah. know when people are being nice and they're being honest. Right. Right. You know, and we prefer the honesty over being nice because that just helps us improve. It just mm-hmm. makes us mm-hmm. strive that much more to be better at what we do. Yeah, unfortunately, a lot of people who don't have the kind of background that you have, um, when when they're confronted with criticism, uh, very often they take that as an invalidation of self rather than a critique yeah. about a particular thing. And and I think we probably lose a good number of probably worthy creatives because they they're not able to divorce their sense of self away from you know, whatever core competency they're trying to work toward in their creative world, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and it, it's good that you've got that support system that is is more realistic, but yet still does not brook, you know, less than good creativity. You know what I'm saying? You know, you don't get, exactly. you know, people don't go, it's, it's not like a mom going, oh, that's that's great. Or, you know, a, a couple of uh, a parents who have like the ugliest baby in the world and the grandparents go, oh, isn't she lovely? You know, that sort yeah. of thing, you know. Mm-hmm. So I guess that's that, true. yeah. And then, uh, yeah. and then having six brothers uh, and, and sibling rivalry, <laughs> it, it, it is a great character builder. <laughs> I see. So, okay. So, yeah. So we would give each other our props, 
Um, but we would let each other know where we can use some improvement. Sure, sure. My brother and I got away from that, and we did it the easiest way. We decided to like stuff that the other one wasn't doing. Uh, you know, there was there was no crossover. All right. Well, you know, cats and dogs, yeah. rips and blood. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but under the, um, under the right circumstances, they do get along. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, anyway, we were we were two years apart, so that was kind of close. Um, anyway, so okay, so you're you're honing your skills. You're really, really, you know, you're really focused in on. It sounds to me like you're really focused in on video production. You know, yeah. in terms of you know the the complete soup to nuts. So yeah, because where do you where do you see yourself? Like let's say in five years' time, let's say you reach a plateau. What's the next plateau you're going to reach? Are you going to become, um, you know, a production person, a producer? You know, um, you know where? Yeah, I'm wondering what path are you kind of heading toward? You know, oh, in, to okay. exploit all of all of the. Uh, the talents that you're working on now, the things that are that are in progress, you know, the stuff that you're learning. Yeah. Um, in five years, I can see myself either uh, an accepting an award from our first feature film. <laughs> okay. Or, or either running a series on Netflix or Amazon video. Right. Yeah. Yeah, cuz I I got um one of the things I've learned and grateful for to the Apollo Media Center is mm-hmm. they sh- showed us like planning. Proper planning. And, and and not just having an idea. Right. Uh what it takes to make it happen, you know, to take the idea and yeah. make it reality. And then right. where do you go with it? You know, like target audiences, do you want to make a one-time film or do you ongoing series? And, and, and I produce like, uh, let me see, one, two, Yeah, two television, two 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 talk shows, uh, on my own for public access. Okay. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Unfortunately, they they I just I and, and it and it was something I never really thought I'd hear myself say, but I decided to pull the plug on one because it was made. For a specific host, uh huh, and and he just couldn't schedule his life to where he could put in the time required. Yeah, that's you always know? a problem too. Yeah, yeah, because I'd be waiting for him at the studio, and I would get a call from him two days later apologizing for not showing up, 
And I explained to him, well, you need, you need to look at this as any other job. You know, if you don't show up, if you're a no-call, no-show, you should not expect to have a job later on. Yeah, it's, you know, here's the, here's the tough part. Um, okay, I'll take me as an example. I don't want to talk about anybody else, but for me. Okay. You know, I'm a writer. I'm a writer. I do short stories, I do books, and I do screenplays. But I'll be the first one to admit that I am not self-sufficient at this point with my art. You know, I yeah. still have to fix computers. I have to put in phone systems. Um, uh, I've got, uh, I've got, you know, all of that going for me. I'm on the verge of getting an off, uh, uh, an agent, so things will change. But I can't, I can't say that. You know, I, I have that, le- I've achieved that level of success yet, you know, mm-hmm. and, and even though I'm on the verge of it, it's still not happening. I can't sit here and go, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm an author and that's all I do. I just write. I do, you know, I, I'm, I'm 100% about the creative. Meanwhile, you know, I have to go out, pick up a laptop and get all the porn off of it before the guy returns it back to, you know, his IT department, you know, because they always lie. They always go, oh, my kids were on the laptop. That's probably where all that porn came from. So, you know, um, I think that if if anybody is truly creative and they truly love the art that they they create and they work on, I think everybody would find it to be a joy to be able to live off of your creative endeavors. I mean, that's what I'm looking for. Um, It's not – go ahead. I'm, I'm also looking for that as well. Because as of right now, I am working part-time at Home Depot, which is really kind of awesome because, like, a lot of the materials uh, I use for a lot of my productions and some upcoming productions. I love it's Home also, Depot. Yes, it's also teaching me about budgeting, how to put together a budget, how to stick oh, to yeah. it. Oh, yeah. 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 Yes. And, uh, you know, I, let me just tell you, I, I went from writing that first script. I had never written a script before in my life and, you know, had that little mini nervous breakdown that night, you know, and, and wrote my first script. But from that, um, I, I really liked the film industry, so I've done a lot of things in the film industry, including produced a few things and shorts and stuff, and I've got two feature movies I want to do. Now, having said that, my appreciation for the industry has been from the behind the camera stuff, you know, watching how they do it. How, how do we get, how do you get 30, 50 people all on the same page to produce a movie or a commercial or whatever it is. And, and knowing the nuts and bolts is just as important as whatever part I have to do. Like if I'm writing a script, when I write that script, I, I write it with the knowledge of, you know, the the, the 8,221 things that have to go right in order for that script to be made into an effective movie. Exactly. So it sounds to me like you're doing the same thing. You're learning all the nuts and bolts and the parts behind. And even, even what goes on, you know, to make it happen so that you're you're going to be more effective. I mean, I think that's fair to say, wouldn't you? I mean, you really want to learn the entire 
almost sounds yeah. like the entire video industry in order to be able to be the most effective creative that you can. Yes, that that is that is very true, uh, and, and that's an extension. And I believe that comes from the training I received at again at the Apollo Media Center, because uh, being funded by the county, which public access is, you know, we didn't we didn't have like uh, crews to work with, you know, we couldn't we didn't have budgets, right? Offer crews, so we learned to wherever we needed to fill in. Yes, we tried to get camera people audio people, uh, control room, technicians. And and we learned to help each other and work together, which is a truly mm-hmm. great thing. And we, and, never, and I, we never dissed anyone or, or held a grudge to anyone who, who chose to take a paying job, you know, over... Well, you have you know, to. Some, you have to. Yeah. Because everybody has to survive. Yeah. And, I mean, and bring I, in their I'll, income. Yeah, I'll so be honest. When, and, go ahead. So so if we had someone who took a job somewhere else and couldn't be there, we learned to fill in. We learned so right. I I learned to cameraman, I learned audio, I learned mm-hmm. editing, I learned directing basics of each and, and and I and I love it all and I want and, right. and I just want to and that's why I love the industry the industry so much because there's so much to learn. Yeah. I would feel like I would never get bored and 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 it's just and as I'm learning more more ideas come you know um on, on well, what can... it, it, you know, let's be honest. When you when you get into a field like this, you know, yes, it's creative, yes, it's technical, highly technical, and yes, you know, you have to, and and it can be expensive, especially, you know, oh, if yeah. you're a videographer, and you know, it, let's say you would have five years ago gotten a red high def camera, okay. And you would have mm-hmm. spent fifty thousand, fifty, sixty thousand dollars on it, maybe even more, depending upon what what accessories you got with it. And yeah. and damn it all, today the thing is obsolete. Yes, practically. And, and then you know, getting it then, because I've always looked at you know uh, knowing the cost of the equipment right. we use is like right. okay, how can I uh, justify the cost of whatever expenditure, you know, to keep from right. just buying anything and it collect dust. Yeah, let, let me give you a trick that I did learn, okay? One of the things that I do when I do a budget for a production, and I've, I've done a few, um, is if I can at all do it, I will embed the cost of specialized equipment in the budget for the movie for purchase, not for rent. Okay? Yeah. Because because what it does is that's an investment in the next project. It's... And then you do the same for that project, then you do the same for the next project after that. 
That's an awesome um, tip. And the biggest thing that you're going to spend money on that will have probably, I think, the most impact is going to be the software that you do you use to both render your video and to to mix your, you know, to edit your productions, because that's where the rubber meets the road. Um, is your sure crappy is. software? And, you know, it looks like it was mixed on, a, on an Atari 64 or whatever the number it was way back when. That's not going to uh-huh. work out very well. And, and so, everybody's playing on the Xbox One. Yeah. And, and so, <laughs> I, yes, I truly understand what you're saying. Yeah, and you're in, an, you're in a very expensive field. Um, people, I, I mean, people will realize that because, oh, well, you've got to get cameras, lenses, lights. You know this, this, this. A lot of the stuff that you get is is transferable from one technology to the next technology to the next technology. I mean, lights are lights, um, yeah. reflectors are reflectors. You know, uh, C stands are C stands. But, and, but the 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 goal, if you're going to become a production house, which is essentially what you're shooting for, you know, you could just be a videographer. You could just be you know, the, 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 the DP, the director of photography for a movie, but mm-hmm. you're, you probably want to build in more flexibility to your abilities than that. And so it's, it's, you've chosen a costly, you know, a, a, a costly career. So that, yes, you know, like you were talking about, you, you have to really, you have to really count your pennies. You have to squeeze the nickel to that buffalo craps. I mean, you have to do all of that in order to su- su- survive because, first of all, money's tight. Mm-hmm. And get, getting the most out of what you can do makes a big, big difference. You know, it, it yeah. make, it, it, obviously, it's the difference between winning or losing. You look at, what was it, the movie that, that broke, uh, I think it's, I forget the name of the, the movie theater or movie studio, but there have been studios that put all their money into a single movie and then the whole the movie crapped out. Then what do you do? Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, so um, what kinds of things are you doing from the business side of doing business to help you keep moving forward? Because, you know, there's obviously there's, there's supplies you have to get. There's, uh, you know, there's the technology you have to invest in. Um, how are you you managing to kind of keep on top of the necessary expenditures that you have to make in order to to learn your craft and to apply your craft? Mm-hmm. Well, as of right now, I get a great deal of help from my fiance, who I call my executive partner, because <laughs> I have a habit of of um yeah, she 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 pretty much you know. Every every purchase and expenditure decision is ran by her because right. I'll see something, the latest thing is like wow, and I and I can actually see what I'm able to do with it. Uh huh. But everything that like like say like the latest oh what did I see though it was the Canon C three hundred. And yeah, I can see what I could do with it, but then she slows me down. Okay, if you get this camera and, and you want to do this film, but you also need to take a look at 
how much it will set you back. Uh, right. And then there's the cost of transportation. There's the time that goes into putting the writing the film, and then mm-hmm. putting pre-production, which is getting the actors together, getting the crew together, and but this money has been spent on one item. Right. Right. And, and we still got to make our daily expenses. So <laughs> yes. so she she's a real big help and I am truly grateful for her. Now well, that, again she that's just great she just doesn't say friend. no you can't have this. She's like, well let's look at a more uh affordable economical solution. Yeah. You know, so uh it's it, it's really need it really breaks you need that. Yes. Because it really breaks down to planning. Proper yeah. planning. You know. Yeah. Yeah. See it's easier for me, okay, because uh I do things like I go to uh used computer stores and stuff like that and look for these special compact keyboards that I like typing on. The okay. rest of the stuff, you know, you know, I, I my big investments are my word processing software because I don't use Word. I don't believe in using a substandard piece of software. Yeah, I said it. Somebody had to say it. Um, mm-hmm. and, and Microsoft and, and, is just running amok. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Plus, it's a piece of crap. Word is crap. Anybody who loves Word... You, that's like saying, I love my, I love my Yugo. You know, it just gives me the basic transportation that I want. And so, you know, I get, I love these compact keyboards because they're heavy. They've got good key movement and stuff, and it's perfect for my, my typing style. I'm Mm -hmm. lucky. I am lucky because, you know, if I spend five or $10 on a keyboard, that's about it. But you do, you know, when you look at your, your hardware expenditures for your, you know, your your wife is absolutely right. And and I think that that's a good thing because what that's doing is it's forcing you to confront real work real, real world costs and yeah. and always 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 which some people don't do very often the cost benefit ratio of every act you make. Okay, if yeah. I pull in these four actors, I have to pay them this. But I also need some removable drives to store all the video on, blah, blah, blah. So then you have, I mean, that's, I think that's a a pretty damn good skill to acquire, even if you're acquiring it secondhand. Um, Now, when when you get to the point where you're going to be doing your, let's say you can do production work full time, Um, maybe not making enough money to live off of, but you're able to spend the, the majority of your time in front of your monitors and your keyboard, um, have you have you given thought right now to how you're going to market your skills? Because essentially, what you've become is you've become an entrepreneur. You know, it's not like you're working for a movie house. You're not working for Sony. You're not working for you know Lionsgate yeah, or somebody like as that. Independent. You're yeah. You're Ed. You know, you're Ed. So, and I'm just saying that to be funny, but that's that's the bottom line. What yeah. what would Edward do in order to 
apply your trade, obviously the first thing is you have to have a body of work to show people what your skills are like. Um, So so I'm thinking as you're sitting there now, what are your plans for building a body of work? And do you have some work already that you could show people? And I think you have. You mentioned, you know, filming at the church and doing the cosplay um, uh, videos that you've done and things like that. Are you building a catalog with, you know, the the hard edge marketing part in mind? Uh, yes, that's what my YouTube channel has become. It's it's okay, basically good. a video good. portfolio. Uh-huh. Uh, what I try to do with each video is emphasize a specific aspect of media production. Okay, certain, certain videos are just for special effects. Some mm-hmm. show different editing skills. Um, some shows emphasize on camera work. Uh, oh, good. So am, you have you put thought into this. You've actually put some thought into this in terms of marketing and not just doing. You know yeah. how a lot of people would just do things. And they, they go, yeah, oh, they yeah, I've done all these. Yeah. 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 Okay, that's good. And, and, and networking, even though it's it had it had started on a local level and starting to branch out, um, but that's a, that's a real big part of it too. Because I mean, you can make the greatest film or or short film, but if you don't show it to no one, if no one sees it. Right. And what good is it really? You know? Yeah, my YouTube channel is kind of sparse. You know, I've I've written and helped produce four video shorts, and one is a production trailer for one of the full features that we want to do. And, you know, it's not a lot of stuff, but one of them, the production trailer, shows our chops as for post-production you know, light and dark, how we shoot, how the camera movement, stuff like that, because we want to do our first feature, and it's going to cost a lot. It's going to cost like $2 million. That's a lot of money. Uh, yes, it is. And, and, and um, you, you don't get that kind of money unless you can demonstrate proficiency. Yeah. So if that's why you we, have that's what, a product. Go ahead that yeah. investors can see a return, not just a return, but a profit, then, you know, you got something to work with. Yeah. Well, we even went so far as to arrange our production trailer to show at one of the bigger theaters here in Chicago before a world premiere of another movie. And I, I will say that I was very proud of the response because people were talking about our trailer uh-huh. well in well into the beginning of this other movie. I felt bad for the guy <laughs> for, the, for the guy who did the movie because they're going, yeah, did you do that, did that, that, you know, chatter, chatter, chatter. But yeah. but you're right. People have to see it. That's the other challenge. How do you get people to see your work above the background noise of everybody mm-hmm. else's production work out there because there are a million, million, million videos on YouTube and, 
you know, even though some people might bump into your stuff following down the rabbit hole when they're just clicking randomly on, on YouTube, that's, that's no, there's no guarantee that that's going to yield the kind of interest that you need in order to become famous or at least yep. to have people see you as a serious contender. Um, what yeah. kind of things do you do in the service of having other people discover you? Because this is uh, an important component of doing, you know, of, of getting your name out there. Yeah. Uh, one of the biggest things that I've seen now that I've been uh-huh. watching the trend of social media. Okay. Social media can cause a business to grow exponentially. As well as, on the flip side, it can kill a business, too. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. The other thing is, um, well, 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 no, that's, that's really, as, as for right now, it really is the social media platform. Because okay. I've even uh, expanded into Twitch live stream. Right. In which in which I um I do like live streams of editing sessions. when I'm editing uh a, a television show from start to finish. Sure. Even even if it's just a simple practice. Right. You, you know, I've started uh yes. I I am an avid video game player, and sometimes those work their way into Twitch as well as YouTube. Sure. Uh, I have a good friend who's an artist. She's in Detroit, and she will go ahead and do an entire drawing, you know, and, and there'll be a lot of live viewers, and then a lot of people look at her stuff afterwards. You know, they pick it up almost like a, a video podcast or, you know, just a YouTube clip to see yeah. how she produced her drawings. And that, you know, a lot of people are inter- intrigued by the nuts and bolts of how that gets done. But mm-hmm. the, 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 I think the challenge and my question to you, and not to put you on the spot, but I'm just curious because I'm sure you've thought about it, but how mm-hmm. do you drive people to discover you? You know what I mean? That's, that's, I think that's the universal challenge of any, any creative who does something in the visual arts? It goes back to um, the old school beating the pavement. Sometimes you okay. got to get out there, hand flyers. You got to knock on doors. Hopefully, uh, and when I mean knock on doors, like uh, most cities, most large metropolitan cities have uh public access channels. They have local channels, uh, which are a step closer to network TV than uh, public access that also feature local talent. It's, it's just... So you're, you're to, to the, um, in the service of building your brand, you are making yourself available in multiple, I guess, venues 
so that yeah. if somebody does bump into you and they, they are interested, they, they do a search and they go, oh, he's got these three different things that he's done, blah, 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 let's take a look at that. I mm-hmm. get you. I get you. Because sometimes that, that can be very effective because you never know where the lightning is going to strike. But if it does, that, I mean, that's, you know, I'll, I'll give you the, the greatest example of lightning striking, which was Fifty Shades of Grey. You know, here's this piece of crap book that this woman wrote on her BlackBerry, and and it, it was <laughs> discovered. BlackBerry. <laughs> yeah, she she typed it in on a BlackBerry, and it was discovered. You know, uh, because and and it was it was given legitimacy as mommy porn. Okay. And and you know, there's a a lot of little steps that conspired along the way to make it the explosive media event that it was. You know, not only does Fifty Shades of Grey get made into a movie, but did they do a second movie? Yes, they did. Fifty Shades Darker. Yeah. Okay, Which, yeah, frankly, whatever. My fiance forgot about. Yeah, well, you uh, know, the, I didn't have all, to do it, it. It wasn't. It wasn't like uh, you know, real real S and M. It wasn't even good porn. It wasn't. You know what it was was it was it was legitimate enough in terms of entertainment that you know, housewives could go see it and not be thought of as perverts. Yeah, I said yeah. it. Somebody had to say it. I said it. But 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 see that that kind of lightning, if it strikes you, first of all, you've got to be ready to ride the wave. So you always exactly. have yep. to be ready in case, just in case something like that happens. And so to to the kind of work that you do, let's say that you put together you know, you do your your horror story, and I'm going to ask you to stay the hell away from vampires because they're overdone. Do something original, original. If you uh, need some help, I, wait, 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 wait. Go ahead, go ahead. I, I took enough drugs in the 70s that I could provide you with some plots that will make your hair stand up, okay? <laughs> and you don't okay. have to copy anybody else's genre. But you, But you know what I'm saying. Again... When you talk about doing a, a short, a horror short on, you, you're talking about a short, right? Not a feature. Yeah, it's a short film. Yeah. So if, if you're talking about a video short about vampires, again, you you already know that you have you have given yourself a hill to climb because there are so many people who are doing art, video, books, comics, graphic comics. Uh, yeah. you know, about vampires. So that's that's tough, man. You're, you've set yourself a pretty high bar. And not that there's anything wrong with that. I think that's good because if you have that much faith in your talent that you're going to say, yeah, there's 8,221 videos today that were posted about vampires. I'm still going to do my shit. That's, that's a level of confidence that I think is necessary. And that also speaks to what I said just a few minutes ago, about being ready to ride the lightning should it hit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, because what? Go ahead. I'm I'm taking um, my approach to this vampire film is something that hasn't quite been done. Uh, I don't want to go into too deep about it because right. I don't want to give it away. Uh, okay. And, and if, no, 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 don't. Yeah, you don't, don't. Yeah, I, I mean, I I love to have people talk about their projects, but there are times when you know people listen and they steal stuff. Yeah. So 
don't you know don't do anything that you feel compromises you but in in the service of your idea mm-hmm. have have you already done your considerations made your considerations for how it's going to be unique enough to stand apart from every Tom Dick and Harry out there who wants to do some vampire stuff yeah yes I have oh good okay because and, and that's essential. I, I like the way you said uh I've chosen a big hill to climb. Mm-hmm. Because it's the way you climb it that's going to make a difference. So I believe the the way I've chosen, uh, especially right about now, in, right in the in in media the media society and movie productions and this like a it's a it's a, it's a trend that I've been kind of watching. And I'm hoping I can I can jump on that bandwagon. Okay. With a lightning rod. Right. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So hopefully lightning will strike because uh, I. Another example of that was uh, uh, some I forgot the name of the guys, but they did their own uh, a story based off of a popular video game, Call of Duty. It was called Frozen Passing. Okay. For it, for it to be fan-made, mm-hmm. they did an ex- excellent job. Okay. To where they got hundreds of millions, millions of views. And, my, and, and I remember seeing, watching the E3 uh, video game convention. Okay. And the CEO of Microsoft said the audience loved it. They loved it. And they've decided to back them to do a full-length feature. Oh, see, that's that's the kind of thing, you know, that's, that's riding that lightning. Yes. But it also sounds and, like that they were prepared to put out a quality a quality product because it sounds very very much like people had the faith in them to be able to to produce something laudable you know what i mean uh, and what was awesome about it is the, uh-huh. they also put, put together a behind the scenes and they showed what everybody saw what the, the what they made, and, and they what showed how made. they made it with a meager budget, and it was just amazing. It was just it and, was just amazing to see. And sometimes the making of it is more popular from a viewing perspective than the um, the the feature itself. You know. Yes. Because there's there's so many gearheads out there who are interested in the nuts and bolts behind these things, you know, and mm-hmm. and, and and for people like you and me, we're going to watch it go. Oh, so that's how they did that, you know? Exactly. That. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and sometimes I sit and I'm watching like uh, uh, whichever science fiction, fantasy, action film, and I'm like, okay. This looks like they did this like that, and this looks okay. 
how they did this, and these are stuntmen, these guys are on wires, you know, okay, they had to bring in some CGI there, and then when I see the uh, behind the scenes, I'm like, okay, I was close. I was yeah. Close. Yeah. So, now, let me, uh, let me ask you this. When you were growing up, what were some of the influences for you? I mean, obviously, you you have an affinity for science fiction. Yes, I do. And, and, and the horror. So, well, I'm, what, I'm not a, a big horror fan. I just, the vampires have just captured my interest for some reason, but like, like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre or, you know, um, Saw or It, nope, don't care for Kruger and all of that stuff, not so big. Okay. Nope. Uh, yeah. Uh, but what, okay, so what was your influence? You know, what kind of things influence? when you were growing up? Yeah, when you were growing up, really caught your attention. Um, it was a lot of comics. I read a okay. lot of comics. You know, as younger, and it was always seeing what it wanted to. Big things about comic books was, and science fiction was seeing what could be. Okay. The possibilities are endless. Sparking the imagination. Yes. And I, and I got to say this, um, God rest her soul, my mom kept a lot of Vogue magazines. And, and oh, what? I'm sorry? Vogue magazines, the fashion oh, magazines. Vogue magazine. Okay, yeah. And I would practice a lot of my uh, drawing skills from them. Oh, okay. Yes. And, and, and I guess unknowingly, I was learning composition. I was learning how how uh, a little bit of advertisement, because I was constantly reading. Sure. As well as, as, well as admiring the different images, you know, and as I would pick different ones to um, to to draw. Right. Yeah. Now, are you a good artist? Do you consider yourself a good artist? Yes, I do. I can. Mm-hmm. I do consider myself a good artist. Uh, and my brother just mentioned in the in the chat uh, that I did play a lot of Dungeons and Dragons when I was younger. And, and and that's a brain game. It it really stimulated the imagination. You you had to think. You know, um yeah. Uh-huh. That that just brought about a level of creativity creativity that uh I'm just very grateful to have experienced. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because there would there would be like a lot of stuff we would do, simple stuff like okay, you get on a horse or you're riding to the next village. And, and it sounds common, like walking from the kitchen to the living room. But then I went horseback riding. Okay. So it brought a whole new perspective to it. You know, so 
You mean the mm-hmm. actuality of it rather than, than the virtual trying to imagine it kind of thing? Yes. One versus the other? Okay, I get you now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I'm just looking at uh, our brothers talking about the dancing robot. Uh, and, and because Dungeons and Dragons, it was a role-playing game, and there were all different versions. They were right. modern day, mixed with magic. They were futuristic, uh, which robots and airplanes that changes the robots and armies and stuff like that. And one of them, it was called Robotech, and where the airplanes did turn into robots. Uh, they were, mil- it was, it was, the military had advanced so far to where they had airplanes that would turn into robots and the robots piloted by actual people would battle it out like that. Uh, okay. And my brother, and, and these were just drawings and cartoons and my brother took uh, image of one and animated it. Uh, three-dimensional. I guess computer generated dancing robot. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that's something we talk about every now and then. <clears throat> now, okay, but when when I talk about your influences, you know, I I'm very curious because see sci-fi people, people who are interested in science fiction, and I get that, mm-hmm. you know, horror is not really your thing. You know, people talk about Star Wars, they talk about Star Trek, they talk about uh you know, for me, the very first movie um, that I ever went to see that my dad took me to was Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea. You know, so that was like my first big screen experience. And and I was just curious, you know, what, what kinds of, you know, influences you had. And then I'm wondering also, like, you know, you do the video stuff. You do the videography. You are... You are conceptualizing your own movies at this time. Um, are you into 3D animation at all? Sorry to jump subjects, but I'm just curious because it, it sounds more to me like you're going to be a multi-genre production person rather than just sitting in one particular mode. Okay. Um, so you, to the previous questions about uh, influence, and you mentioned the first, I, uh, there was two movies that had a great impact on my life. Okay. One, uh, when I was young, I actually went with my brother Lonzo to see the movie Heavy Metal. And okay. that was, it just, it just, it blew me away because the portrayal of the characters were was so real and lifelike. Their movement, uh-huh. emotion, to where I actually forgot. Like it's basically a cartoon I'm watching. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But they brought it to life so well. And and, and that just I that kinda kick started my fascination with movement. How mm-hmm. things move, how they work. And the other movie was Bill Gerard starring as Buck Rogers. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yes. And, and and 
that was that was just amazing because even though he was frozen for years and years, uh, right. Life went on and it had progressed to where we were traveling amongst the stars. And unfortunately, it wasn't always the most pleasant places that you traveled. Mm-hmm. Okay. So. Yeah, I but always yeah. wonder because, especially people in our genre who work, you know, kind of like creatively in science fiction and things like that, I'm always curious to see what what the um you know what the main focus was what was it that got them really interested because that that I think in the long run that does affect what your output is you know what 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 kinds of things that you find most interesting and um mm-hmm. so now you know it go ahead with those two influences uh and somebody said uh in the chat that Heavy metal was before its time, and it was. It was. Yeah, it was. But with those two influences, um, with what I want to do, yes, the majority, maybe 75% would be live action. Actual people, mm-hmm. there's, there's just a sense of realism that can be, that can't be captured other with like practical props and, and you know like creatures, be it uh, full scale models of some like, smaller spaceships uh, or vehicles. But then there is there is the sense where um, CGI will come in, right? You know, so it's the the combination of the two. Because as as cool as it would be to have the actors feed off of a ten a fifteen foot dragon, the practicality right. of it is not there. Yeah, that's true. I mean, you know, there there are limited there are engineering limitations, there are yes. financial limitations, there are a lot of different factors that force you to compromise or if not compromise to just become more creative in how mm-hmm. you produce whatever it is you're going to produce. Yeah. Um, no. but, but in terms of what you're doing, you're, you're learning the art of, of production as well as how to do the, the imaginary thing. You know, when you're creating, you know, like creating a, a digital dinosaur or like you said, a yeah. digital spaceship, a spaceship that doesn't yeah. exist and yet you've got one right there on the screen and everybody's watching, you know. Yes. And, and at one time, it was a blank piece of paper. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and took the time to sketch it out of of what you would think it would look like. And because of science fiction, you get so much freedom. You have a tremendous amount of freedom. Yeah. And then taking that, the the actual drawn design, and then making a model of it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then going from there to maybe, to a degree, uh, I forgot what scale they use, but that actors can actually interact with or can be 
sitting there on the screen, on the set as a prop or, you know. Or, or more often than not, a tennis ball. Yeah. They got a tennis yeah. ball hovering, and that's supposed to be, you know, where the dinosaur is or where the the alien is or where the end of the spaceship is or what have you. No, I get mm-hmm. what you're saying. And, yeah. and that's where, and, and, and grateful, gratefully to, to like the advances in the software that's available uh, to a lot of us low budget filmmakers or guerrilla filmmakers as we're sometimes referred to uh, or micro budget filmmakers Right. When building a tactile prop is impossible, the CGI can come in. Mm-hmm. You know, an uh, uh, awesome program that I've been using, seeing how M- Maya does not fit in my budget, is Blender. Okay. You know, I've heard of a lot of people who use Blender, yeah. Yeah, it, it is a 3D uh, uh, animation uh, software right. where where you can make virtual uh, whatever, be it cars, cups, spaceships. Yeah, virtual constructs, sure. People, yes. And, and then incorporate them into actual video. Yeah, you know, and and when when you talk about that, you know, sometimes people don't understand. But uh, whatever whatever Transformer movie that they made here downtown Chicago, uh, I okay. took I took a peek I, I took a peek behind the scenes in terms of what their computer render farms had to do, which is to create one of the robots that were tearing up my, my downtown area and uh-huh. and piece by piece, you know, that a, a frame would take, you know, such a long time to render when they're building this thing that doesn't exist. You know, the, the technology is pretty much unbelievable. You know, let's just say, you know, uh, 50 years ago, it would have been called magic, practically. Yeah. And and so that that's that's kind of cool to watch how the technology works. Or, you know, the other example that we always give is how your cell phone has more computational power than than what NASA had available to it to send the guys to the moon and bring them back safely. You know that <laughs> sort of thing. Um, so that is so true. So the you know the technology is huge, and I yes, think one of the things that makes that makes the technology as important as it is, is that regardless of the fact that a computer has to do it, a computer can't do it. Farms of computers can't do it. You know, numbers of CPUs can't do it unless some person knows how to program it, knows how to write, you know, the software, knows how to make the wireframe things in, in, you know, digital space and then has to execute it. I mean, it's a, it, the field now for Hollywood filmmaking is mm-hmm. so broad in terms of technology that, that it's, it's something that you cannot diminish. You can't, you can't no, even take it for granted. No, you surely can't. 
You sure yeah. have. So I because... think what you've done is you've chosen a field that's going to have legs for the rest of your life if you choose to stay in it. Yeah. And I, and I can't see myself doing anything else. Well, you never I know. Just, I just can't. Yeah, this I, I do kind of know. <laughs> All right. I do. From your mouth, you know who's here. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, but but I think I think this is good forward planning on your part. You got interested in it, you know, just out of the analog, and you're right into the digital, and yeah. and now there's so much breadth and height and and depth to the uh, the field of digital creation that. That really, truly, for you, the sky's the limit. Exactly, you know, um, because being able to um, actually see what's done practically, you know, um, like uh, what, what was it, what was it three years ago when they shot the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles highway scene here in Buffalo? They, okay. They had the, uh, it was the scene where the, the, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles were chasing the bad guys in their van, and they were, uh, all we saw was them vehicles driving down the highway, uh, the expressway, and they would blow up at different places. Okay. When they put it together in the film, yes, the vehicles blew up but it was because the turtles that were CGI created and put in the film later were actually leaping from their van, taking out guys on motorcycles. They were firing different type weapons from their van, right? attacking the bad guys. And, and, and that was all done with CGI, which was, a whole lot safer, number mm-hmm, one, mm-hmm. a lot easier to do, you know, as far as the practicality. It was it was just amazing. So it's like just so where I'm at is like seeing what is and then knowing what can be done with the digital aspect. Right. And what and putting those two together. And it's and it's just yeah, it's just awesome. I don't know no other way to ex- explain it. You know, I was on a panel discussion at uh the la the last the big Boston sci fi convention oh Boscone. And I okay. was on a panel discussion about the first Jurassic Park movie. And, and what it meant to entertainment and what it meant to the industry. And we right. generally agreed that because of that movie, obviously dinosaurs exist. Yeah. Because, because nobody had ever seen that before. Nobody ever had ever seen that level of digital creation before. You know, it, it just it wasn't possible, you know, 15 minutes before they started making that movie. And so... You know, when you look at what the result of these these really cool tools, uh-huh. the results are when you employ them, 
it it truly is you know like like uh, was said in the in the uh, what you call it in the chat room it truly is magic that it can be done that way you can you can imagine something that doesn't exist okay like the earth squadron movie there isn't a damn yeah. thing in the earth squadron movie that exists okay no, there isn't. everything is being rendered in three dimensions you know yeah. you have to they, you have to make the spaceships you have to make the characters you have to you have to make have the a street they wear. You have to make yeah, the planets yeah. they're fighting on. You have yeah. to make a, a a fire hydrant. You know, yeah. everything in there has to be. It has to be drawn. It has to be wireframed. It has to be rendered in three dimensions. And if it moves, then that's another component. Yeah, of, rigging of complexity. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, you know, I you know it's funny. Your brother says he uh, he agrees with me about the Jurassic Park, swearing that they had dinosaurs. I came out of that movie wanting to be a dinosaur wrangler. To be honest with you guys, I figured, well, shit, that's a good job. You know, and, as and, long as the dinosaur you, doesn't eat you. <laughs> what it, what it did to me is being being the nerd I am. Uh, yeah. And, and love going to the science museum. Seeing like those dinosaurs on the on the screen, yeah, gave life to the skeletons that I could see in the, in the uh, up close, yeah, in the museum. Yeah. Okay, and I was like, wow, you know, I was like, wow, it just added that much more to it. Right now, you know, we talked about cameras and how expensive the equipment is, and and how the the technology changes. If you just decide to kind of concentrate on post-production, still, that's very expensive. I mean, these software suites are not cheap. And no, the, the, the workstations to do fast enough rendering so you're not sitting there for 30 days trying to get two frames done, they, yeah. they are expensive as well. So, again, that's, that's another expense that you have to do, you know, you have to weigh in terms of, well, am I going to go this way? Am I going to go that way? Um, let me ask you this. Have you thought about where you would like to be, let's say, five years from now? Five years from now? Um, no, I haven't given it hard consideration. Um, but just on the fly, so to speak, uh, five years from now, I kind of see myself uh, have an associate's degree in uh, media arts and broadcasting and then going uh-huh. into uh, four-year uh, at the at the either the Buffalo State College or the University of Buffalo. Now, of sure. course, being the person that I am, in my what little spare time I have, I'm going to, like, be, like, practicing Doing short films or or videos of everything I'm learning just to keep it fresh. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. It, it's always that possibility, as you said earlier, of the lightning striking then. Yeah. You know. Yeah. But but yeah, as a as of right now, uh, I am going to focus on education. Mm-hmm. You know because. Like the old saying, knowledge is king. Well, that is true. And also, it 
if you get in the habit of being able to learn, and a lot of people after a while can't, you know, they just shut it off. You know, my best friend from high school, you know, he was my tennis partner. You know, we played all through high school, and he was Mm -hmm. my best friend. When he graduated from college, he graduated with a degree in, in teaching, and he became a teacher. But the day he graduated, I showed up at his graduation, and, you know, he, you know, I congratulated him and everything. He said, man, am I happy. And I said, why is that? He says, because I'm never going to have to read another book in my life. And I said, what the, f-? I, you know, I'm, I'm like, first of all, you're a teacher. You're a teacher. Yeah. You can't be telling yeah. me that. No. And second of all, you know, I think that creatives, and, I, you know, he, he just wasn't of that mindset, and I know he was exaggerating, but creatives mm-hmm. can't afford to ossify that like that. Because no. if you if you don't keep up with what's going on around you, you, yeah, you the technology into, the technology you will pass into, you by. Yeah, and you you become irrelevant. Yeah, yeah. So nobody uh, wants to become irrelevant. And now the only other thing I can see, well, let's say because I'm looking at like six years, maybe six years of um, college education. Okay. Uh, after that, I have, and, I, and me and my fiance, we talked about it a few times already, uh, relocating. You know, either she doesn't care too much for California because, you know, it's a lot of shaky ground and she doesn't like right. moving and, <laughs> when she's not moving it. Um but there is also Universal Studios in Florida, which I've been watching the growth. Well, you know, and they, let, let me put an idea in your head, if I may. Well, um, go right ahead. With the, with the kind of work that you want to do, yes, maybe to get your foot in the door, you might have to be someplace where you know, you're more accessible to the people who you want to work for. Yeah. But once you have a little bit of that under your belt, you know, because everything that we do now is is digitally based, yeah. you can pretty much I, work anywhere. You know, you can jump I, on the plane and meet somebody, but and then man, and then go back home and do the work. And do the work. And do the work. Yeah. So, you know, maybe As, maybe you guys put up with in, uh go ahead. Especially being in post production. Right, absolutely. Because, uh, and even though um, I use uh, the Adobe Creative Cloud, which is amazing, even though I don't care for their online subscription, instead of being able to buy the the software on disk outright. uh, Yes. Yeah, we're all bitching about that. Yeah. They, they, uh, their bragging rights is the Deadpool movie made mm-hmm. completely with the Adobe software. Yeah. In the creative in the creative cloud. The uh, of course the editing, the special effects, the audio, everything they needed to do for that movie was so according to Adobe done with only their software. Right. So so having that at my access, 
having that access to me, you know, um, yes, it's like you're saying, uh, I could work from anywhere, anywhere I call home, you know, just as long as I have like a computer that can handle the load. Yeah, and a fast enough digital line so people don't have to wait, you know, eight, nine days for you to upload something. Yes, yes, that is that is so true. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, um, we're we're coming up to the end of the show. Let me ask you this: how, About how long have you been working in the digital realm? How many years? Four. Okay, and in those four years, what do you think is the most significant thing that you've learned about your industry? that you would, you would, you know, you could tell somebody who's thinking about, well, I think I'm going to go into this. You know, maybe somebody in high school or just starting out in college. Um, what, what do you think is the best piece of advice you could give somebody who's looking at, you know, becoming, you know, a digital post-production person, you know, the, the way we've been talking about it for the last couple of hours? Um, get well acquainted with Murphy's Law. Anything that could go wrong possibly <laughs> will. will. Okay. Yeah. Uh, also, if you have an idea, do it. I I believe it was uh, Jarvis Sheffield who said they made four-plus movies called Shark Tornado. Sharknado. Yeah. <laughs> If they if they made a bunch of those, then you know people are starving to be entertained. You know, don't be afraid. Yeah. Don't be afraid to try. Give it your best and stay open minded. Remain right. teachable. Never look at. Uh, I and I heard Jada Pickett. Her response. Somebody had asked her. Uh, when do you feel you've arrived? Jada's reply was, I never want to feel like I arrived because then I have nothing to strive for. Yeah, and so, that would and, be and, like me winning a Pulitzer for my first book. Yeah. Where, where, so where's your what to do a second book? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So, I, so, yeah, I get yeah. what that means, yeah. Just remain teachable. Oh, and and, and uh, this is one I learned from uh, working in public access television. Good directors know how to take direction well. Okay. It, it's great to be able to give orders, but it's also really good to be able to take them. I think that that, the earliest incarnation of that philosophy was Ross Perot's um, business philosophy. You remember Ross Perot, right? The little midget guy who ran for president who had all the charts. Um, You know, one of the things that he taught us with EDS was he didn't know everything. Mm -hmm. but he always hired the one person who knew the most about whatever it was he wanted to get done. Yeah. 
you know, surround yourself with smart people and and take their advice. And I think that's kind of paraphrasing what you were talking about, right? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Yeah. You know, it's good to have a uh, uh, dream and, and a destination, but don't become narrow-minded, so narrow-minded you don't see who else is on the road with you. Yeah, that's, because, that's probably very good advice, yeah. Yeah. I, I, and and going back to, like, some of my uh, Trekkie stuff, one of the things uh-huh. I loved about Star Trek The Next Generation is when they ran into a situation, one of the first things Captain Picard would say to his crew is options. What are our options? Right. And so he took input everyone and everywhere and and found what was best suitable for the situation they were in. Well, and, and the bottom line is you're not always the smartest person in the room. Yeah. And even yeah. if you are, you could still learn something from somebody else. So true. Yeah, all of, that, because, makes, all of that makes sense. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Because in this field, it's forever changing. There's always something new. You know, um, and I've met longtime producers at Public Access who just, I don't know for whatever reason, when they switched over from analog to digital, Mm -hmm. they were lost and, and kind of like doing the town. You know, and that was that was sad to see, you know. Yeah. And, yeah. And cuz there was like uh many that helped me with the analog system and and anybody I could help with the digital stuff, I would be more than willing to. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's it's just Everybody can learn from everybody. That is true. You hey, know, we're uh, a, we're about three minutes from ending the show. Um, okay. Let me let me take this time to thank you for being here, man. I really appreciate it. Sorry about the mix-up that we had last week. Yeah, well, we got so you in. We got you in nonetheless. So that and I, worked and out I want really to say well. It was truly an honor and a privilege to be part of this. Oh, stop. It's just a show, man. You know, it's yeah. just uh, you know, it's it's on the internet. We're not even cable access. I mean, no, on. no, don't ever look at it like that. Because I'm, my, I'm uh, only kidding. I'm only kidding. Okay. I think I'm the greatest thing on the internet. All right, because I there can do a two-hour show That's and not it. make it boring. There, there. Exactly. I, I don't know anybody else on the internet who can do a two-hour interview show and not bore the hell out of you. Okay, so there. And I said that's it. Awesome. Because my uh, public access television uh, studio instructor said, never look at it as public access. Look at it as television. Television, absolutely. Because that's where they watch it. Yep. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Um, Anyway, I want to thank you for being here. Um, You know, keep keep in touch. 
if you you know if you're going to be touring around, going to different conventions and things like that, pop a little notice on the uh, events calendar at BlackScienceFictionSociety.com. So if somebody has a free weekend, they're heading to Atlanta. They go, oh look, oh Edward's going to be there. Oh, and he's going to bring his uh, his really talkative, chatty brother. And so <laughs> you know. <laughs> Um, anyway, uh, yeah, I want to thank everybody who checked out the show. I, I always, 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 I appreciate yeah. people who show up and listen Thanks live. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in and being active in the chat room. Yeah, oh, yeah, it's always fun. Um, and uh, let's see, take a look at EarthSquadron.com Earth if you want to see the latest and greatest for the Earth Squadron movie, which is a BlackScienceFictionSociety.com produced project. And um, for anyone who's going to be in Atlanta the first weekend in May, 4th, 5th, and 6th, I'll be at the Urban Nerd Con in in Atlanta. And actually, it's going to be the first time I can meet Jarvis, I can meet... uh, uh, Oh, I got to try to make it there then. Yeah, uh, did you know about the Urban Nerd Con? Uh, A little bit. I've been seeing a little bit here and there. Okay, yeah. So, uh, you know, like I said, this is the first time I will have been to anywhere in Atlanta that was not the airport. Okay? (laughs) Well, no, seriously, I've been been through the airport a number of times, you know, going different places. But I I never spent any time there. So I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, for a number of reasons, I kind of want to see what Atlanta's like, see what the flavor is to me. You know, there are so many conventions that are there that, you know, I want to, you know, think about, consider going to more of them. Um, but uh, it's, uh, I'm looking forward to it. Like I said, I'm going to actually meet Jarvis face-to-face. Been doing this show for All six right. years. He's come up to Detroit and everything, but I couldn't get him to detour over to uh, to Chicago, and I never had a chance to go to Detroit. So this would be kind of okay. cool meeting him and some of the other people. Um, and uh, who, whoever I meet there, it will be a pleasure. Because it's funny, I went to Worldcon, got there, and met three people who I had interviewed for the show who I had never met before. And that's, that's the best awesome. part of me doing this show is the fact that I get to meet people who I would not have met otherwise. I've always said that. That's the coolest part about being able to do this show. So I want to thank all of you for listening in the chat room. I want to thank everybody who picks this up as a podcast for patronizing us and keeping the interest there. And Edward, especially, I want to thank you for sharing your time with me tonight. I had a great time. I hope you did too. It seemed like two hours. I certainly did, and thank you for having me. Yeah, did it seem like you were here, but for two hours? Did it drag? No. No. Oh, good. That's the best part. Yeah, yeah. Because I learned that well, from I... public access. Once it's good, it goes real quick. There you go. All right, so I am going to shut down the show. Normally, we stick around and chat, but I have uh, what do I have? I have I have laundry downstairs okay. that I have to go get and fold. And unlike you know most weekends, uh, most Friday nights. I actually have my own wings that I get to have after the show. Normally, I don't get them because I try not to eat bad. You know, I've lost, I don't know, 80 pounds or something. But uh, tonight, I just said, you know what? Give yourself a treat. So I'm going to head out. I'm going to get my wings. I'm going to get my laundry. 
And uh, I'm going to say goodnight to all of you, and we'll, we'll see you all back here next next Friday, I guess. Yeah, yeah, next Friday, because let me look at the calendar here. Yeah, there'll be a show next Friday, but the following Friday, I'll be arriving in Atlanta, the 4th. So I, I don't think we're going to have a show the 4th unless I decide to do it from there, but probably not. Anyway. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Edward. And everybody have a great weekend ahead. Good night. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.